that is, uh, you know, we don't, I don't know if you know this or not, but we don't coordinate the music to the message. Uh, we let God do that. And every once in a while, God does that really in a, in a really cool way. And, and really, uh, <clears throat> that, the, the, the heartbeat of that song is the heartbeat of the message. And um, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5, if you're using the black Bibles there in the chairs, that's page 608. Uh, Luke chapter 5. Now I do want to make a, a some some somewhat of an announcement. Uh, <clears throat> back in September, uh, the Lord uh, gave my son and his daughter, uh, his daughter, oh, his wife, uh, <laughs> uh, Raquel, uh, had a baby, uh, number uh, grandchild number three for us. So. <clears throat> Wednesday morning, early Wednesday morning, uh, Melanie and I are leaving for a couple of weeks to go visit our grandchildren and and uh, do a little bit of vacationing. Uh, so the next two Sundays, Tim Schmidt's going to be coming and uh, uh, preaching for us and uh, looking forward to uh, what he's going to do for, for our church and um, <clears throat> pray for him as they travel. Uh, well, pray for them as they travel. And uh, I'm sure it'll be a blessing to you. Uh, yeah, I went to college with him. Yeah, 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 yeah. He he played baseball with us uh, last uh, anniversary and all. Yes, yeah. Good guy, good guy. Uh, loves the Lord and and uh, yeah, I really appreciate him. Um, I, I'm I, I what I'm about to say is not an apology because it's not. It's more it's more of an informational thing. Uh, I, I promise you that this morning, uh, you will not walk away from here saying, "Wow, that was really interesting." Because it's it's probably not going to be well. I, I don't know if it's it, it. Hopefully, it'll be interesting, but it will not be something new. Okay, this is this is something that I have talked about many many times. Uh, uh, actually, I went back through my notes, and uh, I don't know three four years ago, I preached a message very similar to this. But this is what God put on my heart, and 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 so that's that's why that's what I gauge. Uh, to what to preach when I preach, uh, uh, be it Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, doesn't matter. Uh, I, I pray and God God directs me and that's what you get. So um, so you're, you're not going to be walking out of here going, wow, I really learned something really cool this morning because you're probably not. He did, he did. Yes, and, and repetition is a, is a, is a, is a good thing. And so, again, I'm not apologizing. I'm just letting you know uh, that, you know, if you, and some of the illustrations I'm going to use, I've used before. Just saying. But, <clears throat> you know, the, 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 the name of the song, I think, was Here Am I, Lord. A am I right? Oh, Lord, Here Am I. Well, I'm close enough. Um, and the, 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 the understood part of that song was, uh, what was it? Lord, here am I. Uh, 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 use me. That's that's that that's the implication of the song. Lord, here am I. Use me. This morning, uh, and I asked Danny's permission, so he he gave me permission to, to share this little bit of uh, information. Um, this morning, Danny and I were talking, and he was sharing with me the fact that God has. Uh, 
help me if I get this wrong, uh, uh, refocused your purpose. Would, would you say that that would be? Right. Okay. And 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 Danny and I talked a few weeks ago, and and he shared with me that God was challenging his his thinking about why he does what he does, and and that's a good place to be, uh, because we can get into uh, a, a rut just going through the motions, can we not? You know, it's Sunday. Okay, what do we do Sunday? We go to church on Sunday. Why do you go to church on Sunday? Why do you get up in the morning, hopefully you get up in the morning and spend time in the Word of God? Why do you spend time praying? Why do you do all of these things? And, and the reality is, and, and, and again, Danny and I talked about this several weeks ago, the, the, and, and <clears throat> I shared with him then that I struggle with the same thing periodically because it's really, really, really easy for a pastor to get into a rut because this book ceases to be the powerful word of God and becomes a textbook. You follow me? I had a, when I was in Bible college, uh, back, uh, seems like another life ago, um, there was a, several pastors that came through and, and would speak in chapel. And, and many of them would say, the easiest place in the world to backslide or to get away from God is in Bible college. And when I, when I was first in Bible college, I heard that uh, the, the very first semester that I was in Bible college, and I thought, I thought, that's ridiculous. I mean, we're surrounded by spirituality. Well, that's the whole problem. You know, because uh, I went to one class and my very first day of class, I went in to uh, Pentateuch, is the name of the class, and it's the first five books of the Old Testament. Uh, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And one of the assignments for the semester was you had to read Pentateuch five times. Well, you know what happens when you are assigned to read the Bible, it becomes a textbook. And it's an assignment. And then I went to my next class, and it was a New Testament survey class. And there was, or was it Pauline Epistle? Anyway, it was like a half dozen books in the New Testament. I had to do the same thing. So now I'm reading five books in the Old Testament uh, uh, five times, and I'm reading you know, a half dozen books in the New Testament. And, and then all of a sudden, I get through the end of my second semester and I realized I had drifted away from God. Because this book was not a life-changing book anymore, it was a textbook. And the same thing can happen to a pastor. Because I spend so much time studying and reading and, 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 and I'm not bragging here, I'm just telling you the, the reality of life most sermons that I preach take anywhere from 4 to 12 hours of preparation. And, and when you get into that routine, that rut, this book ceases to be a, the miracle book that it is. And the reality is, it can happen to you too.
This morning, Danny shared with me that God, through his grace, revealed to him. He didn't tell me what it was, but he said, he said, God revealed to me my purpose. Why, why I'm doing what I'm doing. Praise God for that. And that's, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. Is, 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 it's the, again, it's, there, there, there's nothing new here. But one of the unfortunate things that we as people tend to do is we take missionaries and we put them up on a pedestal. You know, you, you heard the testimony, well, part, <laughs> most of the testimony of, of uh, uh, Zach Whitener this morning. I've known Zach for, for years. And he is just a, 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 literally, he is just a good old boy from North Georgia. He is about as simple a guy as you're going to find in this world. And if he were here today, and I were to ask him this question, and I would say, Zach, are you special? Is, has, has God made something in your life different than everybody else? And I know him well enough to, for him to say, no, I'm just a simple boy from North Georgia. <laughs> well, he was like, no, I'm just a simple boy from North Georgia. See, there's nothing, there's not, you know, we, again, we tend to put these people up on pedestals and think, wow, they, they, they are different than me. And the reality of that is, that is not true. There is no difference between them and you except one thing. Anybody want to take a guess? Faith. Faith. Their, their faith, <clears throat> what, what is faith? In Hebrews chapter 11, we call it the hall of faith. And, and it is a list of people uh, through the Old Testament. And, and the list is, is, a, is a microcosm, really, of the Old Testament. It, it, it is not an exhaustive list by any means. But it is a list of people down through the Old Testament that lived by faith. And, 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 and at the start of each of these, there are two words that, I, that identify the difference between them and the majority of people today, or, or excuse me, the majority of believers today. And that is the by faith. By faith, Abraham did what God had had him to do by faith Moses Moses was a man who had a speech impediment and had a serious uh, uh, problem with with um, uh, well stuttering but uh, uh, he did not think much of himself that I'm, I'm losing the word yeah there you go he had a very very low self-esteem but by faith God used Moses. By faith, Sarah. By faith, Joseph. And the list goes on and on and on. By faith. Missionaries are just normal people that are willing to say, Lord, here am I. Did I do it right that time? 
Okay. <laughs> That's all it is. I love, most of you know, I love history. And, and in, in, within church history, there is, a, there is a man and his family that had a huge impact in Christianity in the United States. But he is almost, nobody knows this guy. His name is Shubal Stearns. How many of you have ever heard of Shubal Stearns? Okay, two. <laughs> and that's because we went to the same college. And Rick, oh, why do you know? Oh, okay, Pascal. Okay, yes, yes. Okay, Shubal Stearns was born in Boston on January 28th, 1706. 70 years before the Declaration of Independence. 1706. And I'm going to give you the condensed version of his life. Shubal Stearns and his wife and five other families that were related to him by marriage or, or, or blood relatives left Connecticut for uh, uh, Virginia in the fall of 1754. Eventually, the group ended up in the foothills of North Carolina and they started a church. The church that they started was named Sandy Creek Separate, Separate Baptist Church. That's a mouthful. Sandy Creek Separate Baptist Church. There's a monument at, at the site of Sandy Creek Baptist Church. Uh, I have a picture here. Uh, this is the church. <clears throat> Okay, boy, it's pretty elaborate, isn't it? This is what the plaque says, if, and you can go there today, and 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 it's still there. I don't know. I don't. I honestly, I don't know if the church is still there, but the 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 place is 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 been set aside as a monument. But this is what the plaque says: On this site, in November and December of 1755, Reverend Shubel Stearns, his wife. And those that came with him, seven other families, 16 souls in all, built their first meeting house, this is it, uh, where they uh, administered the Lord's Supper. Uh, it is a mother church, nay, a grandmother and great-grandmother. What is the term uh, a mother church? Okay, that is a church that, from that church, is sent out a group of people to start another church. Okay, does that make sense? So let me reread this phrase, and hopefully it'll sink into you. It is a mother church, nay, a grandmother church, and great-grandmother church. So not only did they start churches, but the church that they started started churches, and that church started churches. Does that make sense? Okay. <clears throat> All the separate Baptists sprang hence. In other words, this church was the jump-off point, if you would. Uh, not only eastward toward the sea, but westward toward the great river uh, Mississippi, but northward to Virginia, and southward 
to South Carolina and Georgia. The word went forth uh, from this Sion, uh, and great was the company of them who published it and was uh, such that her converts were as drops of morning dew. By the year 1775, the Baptist had become one of the largest denominations in North Carolina, planting at least one church in every county. The vehicle used to achieve this home mission enterprise was the Sandy Creek Association. The Sandy Creek Association, organized by Shubel Stearns, became the main hub of this strategic evangelism. The heartbeat of the, the association was the new birth experience and the preaching of a heartfelt faith uh, <clears throat> was in high demand. The Sandy Creek Church grew from 16 to over 606 in just a few years. Now, now that doesn't sound like a lot, but if you've ever been to Sandy Creek, North Carolina, they ain't, let me put it in their vernacular, they ain't nothing there. Within 17 years of its uh, origin, it had become mother, grandmother, and great-grandmother of over, over 42 churches uh, from which 125 ministers were sent out and uh, ordained clergymen. There, were, uh, there are thousands of churches uh, <clears throat> that arose from the efforts of Shubel Stearns and the church at Sandy Creek. <clears throat> That's an amazing process. Here this unknown man literally was the driving force behind thousands of churches. Multiply that by the number of people that have been saved and their lives changed because of those churches. And we've never heard of this guy. In fact, in fact, I've done research and, and I've given you just about all the information there is. He was a nobody. He didn't, he didn't strive for glory. When somebody would get saved, God would call him into the ministry. He didn't keep him in this church. He said, go start another church. See, he wasn't, he wasn't uh, 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 <clears throat> uh, uh, interested in building a huge church. He was interested in getting the gospel out to people that desperately needed it. There was nothing special about this guy. He was just a man like you and me who by faith went to the wilderness of North Carolina in the, in the mid-1700s and did what he could to serve God. And millions upon millions of people have been saved because of his efforts. That's an amazing thought. Another man that, uh, and I've talked about this man before, um, and I have a picture of him. <clears throat> His name is David Brainerd. David Brainerd uh, <clears throat> lived from uh, 1718 to 1747. A missionary to the American Indians in New York, New Jersey, and eastern Pennsylvania, born in Connecticut in 1718, died at the age of 29 in 1747. 
Brainerd's first journey uh, to the fork of the Delaware to reach that vicious tribe. And, and if you know anything about American history, the Delawares were, were incredible warriors. His first uh, journey to the, to the fork of the Delaware to reach this vicious tribe resulted in a miracle of God that preserved his life and revered him among the Indians as a prophet of God. Encamped at a, the outskirts of the Indian settlement, Brainerd planned to enter the Indian community the next morning to preach to them the gospel of Christ. Unknown to him, uh, his, uh, very, uh, his every move was being watched by warriors who were sent out to kill him. But when the braves uh, drew close to Brainerd's tent, they saw uh, the pale face on his knees. And as he prayed, suddenly a rattlesnake slipped in uh, to his side, lifted up its ugly head to strike, flicked its forked tongue almost in his face. And, when with, uh, and then, without apparent reason, <clears throat> glided uh, swiftly away into the brush. The great spirit was with this pale face. And the Indians said, thus, uh, uh, and and the Indians said, uh, and thus they accorded him uh, the prophet's welcome the next morning. And he was able to share the gospel. And literally, through his efforts, thousands upon thousands upon thousands of, of Native Americans were saved through New York Pennsylvania, let's see, let me go back. Uh, uh, let's see, where, where was it? Uh, yeah, yeah, New York, New Jersey, and Pennsylvania. What an incredible impact. This guy, if you do, if you, if you, if you, there's, a, there's more information about David Brainerd on the internet, but if you, if you Google uh, David Brainerd, you will find out that he was just a normal guy. There was nothing special about him other than the fact that he was willing to say, I'll go. The title of my message this morning is Letting Go. Just just basically letting go. David Brainerd, Schubel Stearns, two men that many of you probably have never heard of, impacted our country and are still impacting our country today. Normal men who say, I'll go. In Luke chapter 5, whenever I think of faith, I always come back to this this portion, uh, portion of Scripture, this passage. To me, there is a well. Let, let, let's go ahead and read it, and then we'll we'll get into that. Uh, uh, <clears throat> Luke chapter five, verse one. It says, "And it came to pass that as the people pressed uh, upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake Gennesaret, and saw two ships standing by the lake, uh, but the fishermen were gone out of them, and were washing their nets. And he entered into uh, one of the ships, and uh, which was Simon's, and prayed him." Uh, uh, that he would thrust out a little from the land uh, that he and he sat down and he taught the people out of the ships. Now, when he left speaking, 
uh, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down thy nets uh, for a draught. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Uh, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the, uh, the net. And when they had this uh, uh, done, they enclosed a great multitude of fish and their nets break. And they uh, beckoned unto their partners, uh, which were uh, in another ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both ships so that they uh, began to sink. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, uh, thank you so very much for this day. Thank you for your love, for the work you do in our lives. And Lord, I am so very thankful for the the, the very practical lesson that we have this morning in in the simple faith of just being being able to say, send me. Lord, help us as we look at this very important passage of Scripture. Help us to see and to know your heartbeat for us. We love you and we thank you. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. We are going to concentrate on one phrase, and that is in verse 5. Verse 5, at the very end, it says, Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. If you were to ask me to define the word faith, this is how I would define the word faith. And and, and on the surface, you may look at that and think, wait a minute, that doesn't, how how is that faith? Well, let, let me hopefully explain it to you. Number one, refuse your anxiety. Refuse your anxiety. The, the, this phrase starts out as saying, nevertheless, at thy word. The word nevertheless here is an interesting word. And, it, and basically what he's saying is, no matter what is going on in the world today, no matter what is going on in your life today, no, what, no matter what the circumstances, no matter what the pressures, nevertheless, I will. Nevertheless, at thy word. What is he saying? It is, it is imperative that we get this. The two missionaries that we talked about, David Brainerd and Shubal Stearns, were men who, who, who were willing to say, here am I, God, send me. Do you think that Shubal Stearns and David Brainerd both uh, lived a carefree life and never had any problems? No. In fact, the reality is David Brainerd died because of medical conditions that he had. And his friends and his family begged him not to go to the Indians because they knew that living in the, in the backcountry the way he did would, would surely bring on death at an early age, and it did. But he was willing to go because, you know what? David Brainerd said, you know, I don't care what's going on in my life. I'm going to do what God wants me to do. Nevertheless, nevertheless, Shubal Stearns, <clears throat> what little history we have on him, had many obstacles in his life that he had to get through. But God was faithful and brought him through. They absolutely had fear in their lives. I don't know about you, but I cannot imagine 
the, 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 the heartache and the fear that gripped the heart of David Brainerd the night before he was ready to go into the, to the Delaware camp. Again, this was, a, this was a, an incredibly uh, well-known tribe within, within early America. These people, the, the Delawares, were, were... Anyway, they lived up to their reputation. And I, can't, I cannot imagine, because he didn't know that the warriors had seen him. He was walking in blind to this camp in his mind. And, and I cannot imagine the fear that gripped his heart but he went. And so often we get so, we get so wrapped up in our circumstances. We get so wrapped up in the, into the things that, 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 that really don't matter and that hold back our faith. I can't imagine the, the, the thought that was going through Simon Peter's mind. Here they had fished all night long. They were professional fishermen. They knew what they were doing. And, the, and it, I don't, I'm not much of a fisherman. I, I do like to fish. I'm not very good at it. But I do know that there are good times to go fishing and there are bad times to go fishing. It's just that's the way it is. And Peter, Jesus tells them to go out, go out and go fishing. And he's like, he's like, I've done that. They're not biting. You know? I, I mean, if they're not biting, they're not biting. And Jesus said, go anyway. See, there was an important lesson that Simon Peter needed to learn. And I, I, I can't imagine what was going through Peter's mind as he, was, as he was going out and thinking, man, this is going to be stupid. You know, I've done this all. I did it all night. This is crazy. But he did it. I can't imagine the thoughts that were going through Schubelstern's mind as as, as God was directing him through Virginia and then down into North Carolina. I, I can imagine the thought of Shubal Stern saying, nobody lives here. There ain't nothing here. And you want me to start a church in Sandy Creek, North Carolina? There's still nothing in, North, uh, in that part of North Carolina except the storm that went through. Acts chapter 8, verse 26 and 27, the first part of 27. And the angel of the Lord spake unto Philip, saying, Arise and go uh, <clears throat> toward the south under the way that goeth down to Jeru uh, Jeru from Jerusalem to Gaza, which is desert. And he arose and went. And he arose and went. And I don't know if you're familiar with the story, but this is the story of the Ethiopian eunuch. And he goes down and he meets the, the caravan of the Ethiopian eunuch. And, he, and because he was willing to go, he was able to lead that Ethiopian to Christ. Here am I, Lord, send me. So what is faith? Faith is uh, <clears throat> saying, <clears throat> nevertheless, at thy word. The second point I want to I want to bring out, bring out this morning is the the trusting in faith. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will. I will. What was what was Simon Peter telling Jesus? You know what? I don't understand why you want me to do this. It it really makes no sense to me. But at thy word, 
I will trust. See, that's what faith is. And it's so important, the conversation that Danny and I had this morning, because oftentimes if you don't understand why you do what you do, you will not trust. Faith is is simply just letting go and saying, okay, God, I don't understand this, but I'll do it. I'll trust. What is the one thing that, that the, 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 the believers in Hebrews 11 had? Uh, it was by faith. Hebrews 11, verses 1 through 6, it says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by uh, it the elders obtain a good report. Through faith we understand that the, words, the worlds were formed by the word of God so that things which are seen are not made of things which do appear. In other words, he just, he just made things. By faith, Abel offered a, unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness uh, that he was righteous, God testifying of his gift, and by uh, it he, uh, being uh, dead, yet, yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. And before his translation, uh, he had this testimony that he pleased God. What a testimony to have. You know what? I, I, I hope and pray that at the end of my life, that on my headstone, that can be said of me. That he pleased God. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. One of the things that I have found about David Brainerd is there are a lot of, a lot of, a lot of his quotes on the internet, and I love them. Uh, this is one of his. It says, There is uh, a God in heaven who overrules all things for the best, and this is the comfort of my soul. How blessed is it to, to grow more and more like God. That's what faith is. And then in closing, very quickly, let me just share with you the delights of God's kindness. The delights of God's kindness. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. What happened when he let down the net? Incredible blessings happened. Filled up two ships to, uh, to the point where they were getting ready to sink. But look at verse 2 of our passage here. And he says, And he saw two ships by the lake, <clears throat> but the fishermen were gone out of them, and they were washing their what? <clears throat> Nets, plural. So there were more than one. Look at verse 4. And Jesus uh, when, he, uh, when he had left speaking, said unto uh, Simon, let down, uh, launch out into the deep and let down thy nets, plural. For, uh, 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 and then now, uh, look at verse 5. And Simon answered and said unto him, Master, we have toiled all night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down what? Singular net. 
Can you imagine what would have happened if he had put down multiple nets? <laughs> they would have sunk. <laughs> but see, oftentimes, and this is one of the reasons I love this, this passage when it comes to faith. Oftentimes, God says, let down our nets. And what do we do? We, we, we say, okay, God, here's my net. And he said, no, I wanted your nets. I want your life. Okay, well, here's part of my life. But what does God want from us? He wants our all. And so often we hold back. And when we hold back, we hold back from the incredible blessings of God. See, that's faith. The more we let go, the more he blesses us. I want you to think about something for a second. There is a really good chance that Grace Baptist Church is a great, 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 great granddaughter of the Sandy Creek Baptist Church. Think about this. The church that sent me and my wife to Fernley is Northside Baptist Church in Charleston, South Carolina. <clears throat> I, I got on Google Maps and I Googled the distance between <clears throat> Charleston, South Carolina and Sandy Creek, North Carolina. It's 175 miles. Now, I have no idea, I have no idea whether or not through the, 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 the workings of God, if the church that I came from is a result of the Sandy Creek Church. I, I have no idea. But I personally believe that if it, if it wasn't indirectly involved, it, it had some connection. There has to be. And now there's a church in Nevada. A great, 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 great granddaughter church of the church that a man named Shubal Stearns, a nobody, came to the foothills of North Carolina in the mid-1700s and started a church. And we are the recipients of what he did. I don't know about you, but I would, I would say that that is a, an, an incredible picture of the filling of the nets, is it not? Or filling of the net. What an incredible thought for us this morning. Now, I don't know if that's true. I, have, I, I cannot prove it, but I, I can believe it. <laughs> I think, it, I, you know, I, I really believe that I, I, you know, I, I've lived in that part of the country for so many years, and and um, the influence that this single man and his wife had on an entire nation. What an incredible thing! David Brainerd. His legacy still lives today as well. What is it that the people in Hebrews chapter 11 share? Two words. 
by faith. This morning, I, I told you at the at the at the beginning that that there's there was there there was not going to be anything profound this morning. There's nothing new in what I've said this morning. I've said it before. I'll say it again. And uh, you know what? That's okay. See, God wants us to live by faith. Period. Just like he wanted the Old Testament saints to live by faith. Just as he wanted Shubal Stearns to live by faith. Just as he wanted David Brainerd to live by faith. And, 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 and the list goes on and on of great men and women throughout history who have dedicated their lives to what we would call missions. And the only difference between them and us is God is using them outside the United States. There are thousands upon thousands of people in our city that need Christ this morning. And how are they going to find out? They are going to find out by us saying, here my God, use me. It's that simple. There's nothing, again, there's nothing profound here. But it is incredibly important to be reminded of the importance of what it means for you and I to say, God, use me. Let down your net. No, let down your nets. Because that's what God wants you to do. Step out in faith and say, use me. Dear Heavenly Father,